Hello, I'm Sarah Connolly and today I'm with, I think, a rider I've interviewed every year, the first rider who ever let me interview her, the one, the only, the marvellous European cyclocross champion, world champion bronze medalist in cyclocross, Helen Wyman. Hello. <laughs> Helen, you've just had a weekend where you've been all over the podium, haven't you? I have. I've had a pretty successful first weekend back in Europe. Yes. Um, I won in, on Saturday in the Grote Prix run Brabant in Holland and then got second in Ronza. In the, uh, are you leading the B Post Bank Trophy at the moment? Um, well, I was awarded the... I was told I was and I went back on stage for that, but we kind of worked out that I'm not, so... Whatever, it's close. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I guess you're starting at the sort of top. Yeah, it's like two seconds either way, and it could be me or it could be Sophie, but I don't, I don't know. It, either way, it's not a lot. <laughs> um, so I am going to talk to Helen about where she is now, but we're also going to talk a little about about cyclocross for beginners. So if you're someone who's not used to the sport, we'll have a little bit about that and what to watch, because I have feelings about some of the races and I know Helen does too. So we'll get into that. But um, you've just come back from your latest American trip. Um, how did that go? Yeah, really good. It's there's always, we tried something different this year, which you always have to keep trying different things or you become stale and you never improve. And so this year we went to Vegas and then <laughs> came back via Boulder um, to do two races before doing what we usually do on the East Coast. And uh, it was a different experience. <laughs> <laughs> Vegas was just how Vegas is every year. It's like the air is so, so weird and yeah, you can't really recover very well. And I always get excited because there's a good crowd and it's a fantastic race. And, you know, you're standing on the start line of the race, you look back and Catherine Prendrell's just won uh, mountain bike Welsh and she's third row back. And that's, you know, that's the quality of the field there. It's mm -hmm. so strong and it's so exciting. And so I got carried away and then exploded my lungs and then couldn't recover. But but then we went to Boulder and we road tripped to Boulder. We drove from, from Vegas to Boulder and there they'd had this big washout, and so the motorway, they'd lost one side of it. Wow. So you couldn't drive your car on it. Yeah, it's, it was just on dust anyway, isn't it, around there? So, And we had to go off through the Valley of Fire and this on the way to the Hoover Dam and places like that. Oh it was goodness. just like the most incredible road trip you've ever been on. It's like you just got eyes for Christmas, you know? So <laughs> the whole time you're taking photos and looking out the window, and it's just like on movie Cars, you know, the kids' movie? Yeah. And in, as you go through the Red Desert, and then it turns into, like, um, into the big mountains, and then it's, like, a bit like from The Hills Have Eyes, that the scary movie, <laughs> a bit like that, and then it turns into these big mountains as you go through Aspen and Vale, and these four-lane dual carriageways going over 3,000 metres high. Wow. <laughs> it's just, like, the weirdest but coolest thing. So the road trip was amazing, and then the two races in Boulder were just ridiculous we're just just like the air is so dry and it's like eight percent humidity compared to like 50 percent of most normal places and about 98 percent in europe in <laughs> belgium particularly where <laughs> uh, yeah it was just really dry and i couldn't really i hadn't really recovered from vegas so um that wasn't like the most successful three races but then as soon as we got back to east coast it was it was back to winning and it was so hot there still it was still 30 degrees on you know the weekend before last and the last weekend it was still 20 22 degrees so it, the courses were really dusty and they had a lot of dry weather this this summer yeah in the boston area so gloucester providence was like 
just everything you touch just turned to, to brown dirt dust. I it's, saw the photos and it was just like crazy. It was really, really epic. Like the course was just, yeah. I mean, he wasn't allowed to run. He had to fight to run the course after three years ago. It was really, really muddy and yep. it could park up quite a lot. But when it's muddy, it regrows the grass really well. And the grass is actually better than when it was before. Yeah, yeah. So it's like rotivating it. <laughs> and so we're actually doing a good thing. And, uh, <laughs> and But he still had to fight for it. And then the last two years have been so dusty that no grass has grown back. So it's actually worse off. Oh, no. <laughs> but then it, that they don't complain about that. They don't care about that. So <laughs> How bizarre. That's so weird. Well, yeah. there, there's places in Britain where they won't like, allow cyclocross anymore because it'll make the place too muddy. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For like, what, four months? I took a picture of Koppenberg in in February and you wouldn't even know there was a bike race there it's genuinely stuff grows back so quick and better that yeah. it's actually fine it's just an eyesore for a couple of months that's yeah, all. yeah yeah and those couple of months are when you should be inside hiding from the rain anyway yeah or going to sunny climates that kind of thing yeah but um <laughs> you won the first Gloucester race didn't you yes I did in a sprint so, and, and I, I kind of find that weird because I always think of you as like the epitome of the cyclocross muddy woman yeah well, that I that was the hardest tactical race I've ever ridden in my life. And I spent the whole race going to sit in second wheel, sit in second wheel, do not go to the front, do not go to the front. Then I finished the race and everyone's like, oh, you look so strong, you were driving it on the front. I was like, no, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't, I swear I wasn't. And all the photos are pictures of me on the front. It's like, I wasn't on the front that much. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it. No, don't show Steph. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that was a really tactical race and... Yeah. And oh. it seems like it's it's such an interesting feel because obviously Gabby, Gabby Dara and Gabby Day is, is out there now. She's, she's, she's kind of converted to America, hasn't she? Yeah. Since you took her, it's your fault, you took her over there and she stayed. <laughs> she did. She did. She uh, stayed successfully. I mean, the American, like every year I go, the more, the American field is much bigger strength and depth. Every single year I go there, it yeah. gets better and better. And it's not necessarily that the riders again faster it's just that there's so many more of them that can compete and so it changes the way you have to race because if you in the past if there was two or three people you had to watch and then they were the people you knew you had to beat then there's only two or three people and they you can work out their skills quite quickly yeah, yeah, yeah. and if suddenly if there's five or six that you have to be it's like it's really hard to watch all of those people and and all the time and it's you know, it's really, it's seriously good quality field over there now. And you see that because Elle Anderson, um, last year won both days of Gloucester. This yeah. year she, she's had a virus going into the season, but she's started to get stronger and stronger. And she's had fifth in Geaton and fifth yesterday in Ronza. Yeah. And she was winning races last year. So, they're, you know, the, the American riders that, that are coming over to Europe to have a go are slotting straight into the top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shows how strong they are over there, and so yeah, yeah it's not so easy just to go and steal their points anymore. <laughs> but I love it too, though, that the fact you have riders like Caroline Marnie over there, for example, yeah. um, and you, and you know, Gabby, and and then and then riders like Elle get to come over here as well more. I think there's yeah. just something so so it just really feels like I mean, you know, globalization in cycling is talked a lot about. Yeah, but it feels like things are changing and getting better every year and that's that's just exciting yeah it is it is and there are a lot more women um american women come over here to race than there are american men i think because they can find themselves to be a bit more successful easier yeah. than the men can um and 
I mean, the Belgi- Belgians have a lockout on the top 10, really, don't they? In- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like. But it what- is changing for the men. It is changing. Like Lars van der Haar is very good. The van der Poels are very good. Um, Thijs van Armaronger is really good. So yeah. it is. And well, Philip Walslave and the German guy. So it is changing, but you know on a belgian course the belgians have a lockout so yeah and it's i mean it's weird isn't it because in a way the world cups and the world championships are easier for international riders to do well in because the number of belgians is limited yeah yeah <laughs> but, it's, it's, it is but equally they should be doing the the smaller races too and they should be you know learning how to win from the bottom up and and it is a very very different different racing style over there you look at um, Jonathan Page went over to race some American races, and I think his best result was maybe fifth or sixth. Mm-hmm. And he comes over here, and and he'll be getting in the top twenty easily in in the next month or so. And if you put those Americans that beat him over here, they wouldn't even get in the top forty. Yeah, yeah. So, so what is the difference for people who? I mean, because I, what I was wondering is that with the UCI last year streaming all the women's cyclocross World Cups. You know, and you know, people from I know people from America have to use slightly piratical ways yeah. to watch them. <laughs> but what's I mean? So I was wondering if a America that helps American women get better over here because they've got a bit more experience. They've got a bit more exposure to Euro riding. A and B. What are the differences between American and Euro races? Um, the American races are very, um, they're, they're very the, the style of the entire thing is very different. So. The Americans have their races in parks, public parks mostly. Mm-hmm. And so they're dictated to by the terrain they have. And, you know, you take a course like Ronza on Sunday and it's a plough poo covered field. <laughs> I love it. And the rest of the time it's a cow field. And <laughs> I love it. Time, they're like, oh, we'll put a race on there. And it's in this, it's at the very top of a hill and it's in this like natural bowl and it's really tough and hard. They could make it even harder if they wanted to. Yeah. But they've actually, it's tough enough, trust me. And so they're in this, like, the, the course dictates what they have. And, and they genuinely don't need to add anything. There's no dismounts. There's the only dismounts you have are the natural terrain where you have to run up the side of these whacking great big horrible Runs runs is one of my favourites, and and I love I love the year that Niels Albert lost his bike, and I love the year that Stevie yeah. nearly fell on a baby, and, and yeah. I love, I love the, the off camber sections. Yeah, and that's a natural field. They've done nothing to it. They've literally plotted a course and staked it out, and that's <laughs> so you know that's that's easy. And then and then you go to a course like America, and you go to Providence. This year they had um, three flyovers, a set, two sets of steps, planks. Um, three sets of steps and a set of planks. Yeah. And so they're bringing in all of these random man-made features to create a cross, uh, a cross course. And yeah. so, like we've always described it as nearly cross, because <laughs> <laughs> it is cross, but they've had to make loads of stuff. Yeah, 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 to yeah. Make it a bit more interesting for them. But in reality, if they changed the way they viewed the course, they could probably actually make a really good course on the features that they have whereas a lot of the time the course is just use a traditional course because it's like well we've always done it that way yeah. and so you see races like charm city that this year used much more of the opposite field to what they've ever used and it was really rock hard because they took you right up a hill and then me jp and steph were there and we're like oh make it go even further <laughs> so they're up a hill then up a bank <laughs> and, down, and then up a bit more of a bank and it's just like you can make the course more epic but a lot of the venues in america don't really allow the course to become that you know that tough 
And yeah. so in European racing, you're racing as hard as you can until you hit the finish is how it works, basically. And in American racing, you like someone will attack, they'll come back because the course isn't hard enough to separate. Right. Someone else will come attack and then someone else will drag them back because the hard, course isn't hard enough to separate. And so it, it's kind of like the course dictates closer racing in America yep. than in Europe. The courses dictate more individual racing. There are some races that are fast, like Hassel and races like that, but even them, they still have features which are natural, which make make the course different. So, Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's so fascinating. And um, before we leave America, what were your best results over there? How many did you win this time? Um, I won three races, three UCI races, and I won an evening race. Okay. Oh, and is that that's the midnight ride? The midnight ride of cyclocross, yes. Ah, now, before we leave America, there are a couple of things I wanted to ask you. First, I mean, the other thing that's really interesting about the USA is they have a very different culture, don't they? Like tons of racers and lots of... Yeah. Um, lots of shouting out at people and beer hand ups and dollar hand ups and rubber chickens and and I think we saw that with 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 Cross Vegas where there was a load of um, sales reps from one of the bike companies basically chucking beer and beer cans at riders as they went past. Yeah, that's right. And and it kind of feels like well the Belgians get drunk at cyclocross races and you do have the occasional Sven Nason steps off his bike to punch it and threatening to punch someone. Yeah. <laughs> When he's not winning. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's the ideal? What's the ideal mix? If you could take like the best bits of Euro and the best Vegas bits of the Vegas is States. a very different race because Vegas is the only race in America that charges a gate entry. So um, it is actually a profit-making race. Um, oh, okay. Whereas the other races, the heckling's a main thing, really. But when you the races are very much participation-based. So, yeah, they have 2,000 riders racing, but they have them... In the in every category from masters, then they have all these different three, four, whatever masters. Then they have women masters, three, four, whatever women masters, and then they have all these amateur categories. And so that the elite races are just add-ons, really. The elite races are something which people stay and watch, yeah, because it's exciting. But it's the people that participated that watch, right? So they don't have like a massive spectator crowd. They just have people that have raced, and it's a really family orientated affair it's really nice you know um and it's a much friendlier atmosphere but they have got this whole heckle thing going on which i don't really understand but yeah fine (laughs) (laughs) but the beer throwing thing was just was just taking it too far but then you you know the uci rules do state that you can't take anything outside of the pit so if you take a dollar hand up or a beer hand up in a uci race then you should be disqualified right so Sven has got fined a thousand Swiss francs for taking a bottle of water in the pit on the wrong lap because you're not allowed to do it on the last two or the first two. Mm-hmm. And he took it like on the last lap and a half or something. And and if he gets fined a thousand Swiss francs for doing that, but Troy Wells at the back, who's taking beer hand ups, doesn't get fined a thousand Swiss francs. It's kind of like, well, that's not right, is it? No, it's going to be fascinating seeing what happens because cross is growing so fast in the USA, isn't it? That it is. You- and, and people talking about Cross Vegas becoming a World Cup race, yeah. as an example, I mean, that's going to be like, oh, I don't know, part of me would love it, but part of me, Cross in the desert, oh, horror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, this year we're down to six World Cups when, in theory, we should have eight. Right. And I think the important thing is that the sport does globalise because you can saturate a market, but 
you can't keep improving from that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it is important that it goes worldwide, and and I think as long as the right races are, are put in, it will be really good. And Vegas, the organisation is brilliant. The um, the whole parking, the whole everything, the fact that it's in a city with a lot of hotels, it's somewhere exotic, so people would actually go there to to watch it. Yeah. From outside of America, um, the only problem is the atmosphere, but there's nothing you can do about that. It's just how it is, and it and it is the same for everyone at the end of the day. So. Yeah, and it's visually stunning. I mean, those board—I don't know what you call them—the bits of the boards that you have to ride yeah. around. It's it's visually great, and and also the kind of weird grass in the. Oh grass in the desert and it being at night I always like night races but then of course it's easier to like them when you're not racing them <laughs> yeah I mean night races are fine it's really well lit and everything so that's you know that's not a problem it's it's literally just the atmosphere is the only bad thing about Vegas and that's not Brooke's fault <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 but and it is really early as well which is a bit a bit strange but if there is a way they can do a world cup at Vegas and then a world cup on the east coast or somewhere like that on the way home then that would work out really well because it's like a six or seven hour flight to Vegas from the East Coast and it's a six hour flight to London from Boston. So you know, it would be good to do to split it up a bit on the way back. But oh, I'd love to see an East Coast. I'd love to see an East Coast Cyclocross World Cup. I, would. I really would. I think it would be awesome if America had two World Cups. I and, really also, would and also help I think, you know, help riders get over there. It's 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 fascinating. In Australia last year they had their first ever Cyclocross National Championships. Yeah. And then Lisa Jacobs, who won, was came over to, you know, came over to race the worlds. And that was just, you know, you've got Japanese riders regularly regularly riding the Euro scene. It's it feels like it's getting better. Yeah. I mean, yeah, at the very top, it's still a lockout. But at least there's people that are wanting to participate and that are wanting to, like, try their hardest and actually get off their back and do something to do it, which is really cool. And and that's pretty much how you globalise. And this year, the Switzerland has got this this AZK Cross series that's really big, and they're supporting the women as well as the guys. And they've got a lot of riders, like um, uh, Eva Lechner. Yeah, won the first round of it, I think, or maybe the second round or something. So they've got like good riders coming in to ride those races as well. And and it is a good thing that that stuff goes out of Belgium a little bit and personally in my opinion I think it should be as global as it can be while still making money yeah and I think the women's side almost is 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 it's one of those things where the women's side is so international and obviously you've got Mariana versus Katie Compton versus you and you know Eva Lechner coming in to win silver at Worlds and the, yeah. you know it, it feels it feels like it's almost the women's side can almost show the way yeah I mean in Belgium me and Steph were talking about this at the weekend and in Belgium itself the thing that the that we're trying to make changes for everything, and this year there's loads of really cool stuff happening, um, and and that's a fantastic thing. You know, I I'm always wanting more because that's the person that I am. I'm greedy. <laughs> and we were talking, and we said, you know, the the thing that the that we need to try and get across in some way to the race organisations and the the business people that run the events is that the the Belgian male cross market is pretty much saturated. You know, there's nothing yeah. more you can do. There's no, there's no way to get more money in. There's no way to get more people in. You know, if you have 20,000 people, you're probably going to get 21,000 if that. Mm. But there are ways for other sponsors to get involved because you're promoting the women's side of it. Because, because we are a different 
we are a different breed to work with, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We bring different things to the table. We bring, um, more often, we bring friendlier, um, a friendly approach. We bring more um, interaction directly with sponsors than the male guys do. We're cheaper. Mm. I mean, obviously, we still hold a value, but we are cheaper. In reality, we always will be. We, we in reality, right now and for the preceding few years, we, we are cheaper. And so it was much easier for other sponsors to access the sport. And there's sponsors out there which would be um, female-specific or even more interested because they could reach a different market yep. by using the women. And that's something that the organisers need to get on board with, that the TV companies need to understand a bit. And that you know, when you've done everything you can with the men, the next group isn't the under 23s because they're just little men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, also they yeah. can ride elites as well, can't they? I mean, look at Mat- Mat- Matty van der Poel and Lars van der Haar. Yeah, they can ride elites, yeah. They, but they, they are just little elites, you know. They're not, they yeah. have no more, they have nothing different to give than the elite men have. But yeah. the women do. The women are a completely different group of, um, of people to work with. So, you know, the sooner that people see that the better it will be for our sport i think yeah yeah dan and i did a survey recently we've got about 1600 responses and there was a load of people who said that oh yeah i don't really follow cyclocross but i follow helen wyman and mariana voss and i think that's the other thing is that cyclocross and women there are all these riders who have a built-in fan base i mean pauline fran Prevost, she's world champion on the track on the road she won two world two world cups on mountain bike this year you know ever lechner's of really popular mountain bike rider there's there's all kinds of crossovers and, and intersections that mean it's not it's also not taking a punt on on random you know random unknowns as well it's yeah. people who will follow and i mean you know, riders like voss and fran Provo and you are just gold for i would think that they're your gold for sponsors <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> well, I, just, well, too uh, I think i think the thing is that um they're like voss is actually renowned within her own right you know she's an olympic champion she's if people follow whenever you go to a race it was 10 30 in the morning and she was there people came to watch people came to the press came to take to interview her because she was there and mm. so in that respect she's fantastic and i think people more people get a better idea of who you are when they start coming to the races for a bit earlier and they see the races or you know now we get the chance to be a bit later in the day at super prestige so you know they'll see us more or or that kind of thing and and i i'm put myself out there all the time so <laughs> they're probably like bombarded with helen wyman they're like Jesus, <laughs> but i think who's this person <laughs> but i think it was adorable i mean two of the things from this year's american trip that i absolutely loved was that blog by that woman who went to the midnight ride and was just ecstatic because you showed her some lines and you know about once you'd finished your race you rode a lap with her and showed her some lines yeah and that was just I think that was just amazing, and it was amazing for people to read because it's just like, oh, that, that's what you want. You want you want your sporting heroes to be nice people. Do you know what I mean? You don't want them yeah. to be. You, you I want... think particularly in the women's side, you do because they're like the people you want to interact with, aren't you? Because the guys don't really interact back. They have so many people yeah. following them and trying to talk to them all the time that you know they don't want to interact in the same way. And so, yeah, and I think for that, you know, the, that girl, the Alex, was on the cross clinic, so. It was just a really cute little blog she wrote as well that was that was quite funny, and but so for me I knew who she was so I thought well this is a good opportunity you know, but 
I think the point is that not a lot of the guys would do an evening race. Yeah. And so they would never be in that chance to do that thing. Yeah. Because, you know, they they would be focusing on the races at the weekend that are UCI either end of that. Mm. Whereas for me, I'd run the cross clinic and, you know, it's a good money maker. It's equal prize money. So mm. <laughs> for me, it's good good to do that. And and the more chance – and in a UCI race, you don't get that opportunity because they've raced it. She would have raced in the Cat 4s, so she would have raced at, like, 10 o'clock in the morning or something, not, you know, not the same race that I'm in. So it's not that people wouldn't. I just don't think they put themselves in the place to. Yeah, and it, and it is harder. I mean, I went to the Tour of Britain this year, and it was the first men's race I've been to. <laughs> it's the first only men's race I've been to and like just seeing the crowds around the sky bus was hilarious they're not friendly are they boys no no well except for Yetse Boll who came out of his who who, um, Nancy Ariola was was tweeting him hey go and say hi to Sarah so I got a selfie with Yetse (laughs) (laughs) but then that's kind of a women's cycling thing right yeah Yeah. and also you know the Belkin bus Belkin wasn't surrounded by a thousand people but uh, yeah but the other thing I loved that you did was that video about Cross Vegas with With um, Helen aged Helen aged 33 yeah I don't know a 13 year old and a little nine-year-old all racing your first race of the season they were so cute and that was a um that was a Kona thing so so the guys at Kona like Kona's like this big family and everyone's like yeah whatever (laughs) but in reality they are and people that work there the downhiller guys that break themselves that ultimately will break themselves quite early in their careers (laughs) and you know they're employed to be to be drivers to drive the demo trucks around or they're employed to do um work uh stuff in the warehouse or you know ultimately then Kona never drops you unless you've done something terrible and so when people buy their bikes they may not be as big as something like Specialized or Trek, but when you buy one Kona, you ultimately end up buying five or six. You know, everyone I met, the guy that does my hair in Hitchin, the hairdresser in Hitchin, he has a Kona. Everyone in his shop has a Kona. And then he has like five more that he's bought in the, in the last two years that I've been there because they were in the local bike shop and he really loved it. And so therefore he wanted this and he wanted that and he recommended it to the other guys that work in the hairdressers and it goes from there you know and so people are they're very loyal to the people that work with them and I think the people that buy their bikes are pretty loyal to Kona yeah and so um where was I going with this Um, about the being family I've got a Kona because I've got got a Kona because of you so anyway it's Kona making that video um the video which started with you incapable of opening curtains oh they were so heavy it was so heavy and so high <laughs> and then it showed those little girls those adorable little girls winning their first i did i did note that those two girls won their first race yeah, of the I season yeah, and yeah. you didn't yeah yeah so we uh <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so it was their idea to do this to shoot this video and the guys came to vegas and um and shot with me and then they flew straight out to seattle and they shot with the kids on on the saturday in seattle and it was entirely their idea you know and it's a really good idea and on uh, Gloucester, first day of Gloucester, one of the owners of Kona, the owners of Dan and Jake, and Jake, which is the major Jake. And oh. Jake. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, his son was playing a soccer football match, our football, they call it soccer, <laughs> in uh, in Massachusetts, near 
where the race was on Saturday, uh, on Friday and he was pony gun on Sunday. And so he flew all the way from Vancouver to watch his son, came to the bike race Saturday, watched me win, fortunately, <laughs> watched Barry do really well. And then he went to the, to the soccer match with his son again the next day. So like, they're not just people that sit in offices and, you know, run their empire. These, these are really cool people that actually care about the racing. And he used to race cross. And so he's really into it. And he rang me up after worlds and said, you know, you did an amazing job and you were the first person to ever win a medal at a world championship whilst in our kit. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. And then a junior girl won downhill worlds this year, but Hey, I was the first. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you know that? Because it, cause the thing I've noticed about cyclocross is it seems like it's getting more teamy on the women's side. Like I think it felt like half the riders on any given course was young Telenet for Dea last year. <laughs> yeah, I was like in a bit of a Telenet sandwich on Saturday. It, yeah, it is getting more teamy. Um, it, I mean, the thing is, you do like in a team like mine, it's a factory team, so there's eight of us, but I'm the only proper cross rider. And then Barry does cross and mountain biking and off road in general. And then they've got a load of like um, Red Bull Rampage type people, and <laughs> they've got loads of people that are just gnarly and downhillers and all that. Yeah. And so it's not really a team; it's a factory base team and four percent of sales in Kona are from cyclocross so it's not like they need to add more riders when they've already got one that's representing them all over the world and another one that's representing them for the men in America so it's not like they'd say okay we'll have a team of six yeah because if 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 cross only represents four percent of your sales you're not going to want to spend more money than it's worth on that Mm so um whereas with the but there are proper legit teams in America now that are that have you know, really good riders like like Caroline Manny is on Rally Clement, and there's two women and two guys. So, you know, it is really good. It's a shame Rafa um, didn't continue their team this year, but yeah. But I mean, is it? I mean, when when you're up there against you know seven young Telenet Fideas and three Rabobank riders, are they riding team tactics in the Euro races, or are they are they just do they just happen to be on the same team together? Um, I think in the men's, they probably work a bit better together, but in the women's, I think it's quite an individual sport anyway, particularly in Europe. Um, so I don't think they really work very well. Uh, Yeah. It's too much of an individual sport really. And the races are too hard to work together as a team. Whereas for the men in America, it's actually quite good because the racing is so fast, they can take it in turns to attack and stuff. So. Because yeah, you see it with BK, I can't say the name in Belgium, sorry, BKCP last year, where you'd have, um, oh, what's his name? The dude who always knocks everyone off their bikes. Um, BKCP? The, Niels Albert's team. Yeah. Um, you know the dude, the dude who always knocks everyone off his bikes? I want to say he's Polish or Czech. Yeah, you know, he's just he just has a reputation for accidentally shoulder barging people and he was been off um with injuries from doing quite dangerous things. Simonek? Radomir Simonek? That's it, Simonek, yeah. Because it, it seems like you would have situations where Simonek might be blocking people while Niels is down the road, down the down yeah, the track. Yeah, I mean maybe you can in in the men's side of it, maybe. Yeah. I, but... I'm sure I'm sure Fideo would probably get better results than the women's if they did actually work together. But um, uh, everyone has such different 
different things that they're good at that it sometimes it's hard to you know in road racing you have to sit on and then someone's really good at attacking or someone's good yeah, at yeah, yeah. you can all follow the wheel in the same way yeah as if someone breaks sooner or someone breaks later on corners or something and you you're not really riding in the wheel are you so it's not like you can really be advantageous you can just block and that's about it but the courses are, are wide enough to get around most people so yeah um so if for people who might be new to cyclocross one of the things that interests me is the vast vast ranges of courses like you've got everything from you know ronsa which is slightly mountain bikey almost i guess and then you've got the mud fests like koffenberg and the crazy sandpit races and and you know the kind of really sprinty ones and the climby ones i mean that's it it feels like it's much more diverse you have to win you have to be good at so many more things than on other kinds of racing yeah yeah um i think um the good thing about cross is that you get to a point during the season that is like your winning point is your your point where you're good so it might be that you're really good at mud and so you know there's six weeks in october through november that are really good for you Mm -hmm. or you might be really good at snow and ice so there's three or four weeks around christmas january that's really good for you or you know you czech republic this this year world championships will be really icy so that will favour someone that's very fast, that mm. has a lot of skill in a balance type skill, um, and isn't afraid to crash. Um, <laughs> and you know, so someone like Stiebar will do really well there. Voss will do really well there. Yeah. Um, it's not really a power course because it's more of a fast course. So, I probably Nash will do really well there. You know, she's got a lot of balance and stuff. So, um, but whereas, whereas on on road it's not really about a season it's more about a race you know so if there's hills in the race a hilly rider will be better than a sprinter mm. whereas here it's more about the the weather conditions that affect the course because one year Koffenberg can be super fast last year I think there was an eight up bunch sprint at the finish mm-hmm. whereas another year will be minutes between people so it's more of a weather based thing so I mean you are a rider who favors the muddy races aren't you like you are the mud queen of the mud I would say um how do you how does I mean I guess one of the problems is that you don't know whether you're going to get a wet winter or a dry winter you don't know whether these what the race is going to be like I mean how do you prepare for that um you are you just have to take every opportunity you can you know and on Saturday it was fast but it was getting muddier and slippier because it's so slashing it down on the start line so you know you take that as an opportunity to win or and yesterday was really slick in the week and it was even wet the morning and then it had dried up so much by the race that it was just a hot, faster, mm. tough, but faster race. So that didn't favour me as much or as it had done, it could have done on Wednesday. Or, um, you know, you just, yeah, you just take your opportunities. You can't, you can train as hard as you can and, and even some things like sand can sometimes be similar to mud, you know, or sometimes ice can uh, snow can be similar to mud so you try and transfer that skill into the times and the courses that do do suit your skills and and just yeah take every opportunity you can when you when you get it it's so exciting and 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 because it's such intense racing isn't it i mean i think that christmas period where you have something ridiculous like i don't know it feels like eight week eight eight races in two weeks or something yeah yeah no it's cool it's a lot. It's like race day off, race day off, race day off. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot, but then it is a good time, and and it is a it is a lucrative sport. You know, when you look at um, you look at 
last year, Valent put out and Cycle Photos put out a thing about the comparison between the men's earning some prize money alone to the women's earning yeah. some prize money alone. Um, <laughs> my phone is just going wild. There's a phone going in the background. It's Steph trying to ring me on my normal phone as well. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. Um, <laughs> so, and I think I've just got a PPI call coming in as well. The, um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, um, so he put that thing out. And yeah, if you look at, at what Katie Compton earned compared to Sven Neeson prize money, it is extremely different but according to his calculations and that's not based on the equal prize money that katie would have got in america mm. she still earned like twenty two thousand euros yeah. in prize money alone yeah that's not her wage that's not her start money that's prize money alone and i can guarantee you there's not a single woman road rider in the world that has earned twenty two thousand euros this year from their entire road season yeah yeah and can you explain to people who aren't are used to it? So, so when women are paid for cyclocross, you're obviously paid for your team or sponsored through your team. Yeah. And then the start money, what does that mean? Um, it just it's like an appearance fee, really, and you yeah. get you get paid a start contract to go to the race. And it's been based on the olden days when certain people bring in crowds, and so therefore it's like when you go to a baseball match or something, you know, people pay a ticket to go watch that, and and in baseball they actually a percentage of the the gate revenue actually goes to the players so yeah. it's it's kind of like that and you know because people are going to watch those people and so you know Sven might get eight nine thousand euros to start a bike race yeah because he brings ten thousand people at 15 euros each so yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. he brings the tv coverage and you know and that kind of thing and so um it's a, it's a traditional thing and and it's something that you know the top riders get male and female riders get to start races which is is a is good it is very good it's something you don't tend to get as much on the road no i suppose because they don't have a way to make money off you do they like no because there's no gate fee there's no yeah yeah but it also means it also means that if you're not doing so well you can still turn up and race and and it'd be worthwhile like, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. I mean, in America, you don't get anything like that, but they have equal prize money. And in some yeah. respects, I'd rather race for the opportunity to win that money than I would just turn up and say, well, I'm getting paid to yeah, start. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and I mean, this is the thing about Sven. Is I was asking a friend, which, you know, which races is Sven going to target? And it's a bit like, which races is Mariana going to target? Answer, all of them. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, those guys, they, they do they do put on a performance every weekend and, and I put on a performance every weekend and there's, you know, you can't really, it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. And I'm very grateful. It's a privilege, not a right to have it. And I'm very grateful for what I get. And, you know, that's not really, that's not really anything you can, you can change or discuss or, you know, it's not, yeah. It's a, it's just a weird thing. It's the culture. <laughs> it's a weird the... thing that's really cool. Yeah. Well, it's the culture of the <laughs> When sport. you're getting good, good money, but it's yeah. just, it's just a weird thing. But, yeah, it, you know, it, it's a real privilege in it, and I'm grateful for that. But in prize money, you know, it is so much more lucrative than road because you're not having to divide your prize money by six people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you kind of win, I don't know, 250 quid for winning the Giro Rossa and you then divide that between your six riders. Exactly. It's seven riders and your crew. <laughs> exactly. And to win, yesterday was 350 euros for the win and the first day is 185. Yeah. And Koppenberg this year, equal prize money is 1,600 euros for the win, yeah. which is more money than 
the winner of the Giro d'Italia would have won for yeah. 10 days of racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and you get that in one 40-minute bike race. Yeah, and it's easier to get home from as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like 10-minute bike ride for me. <laughs> so for people, I, I think the, the, when I first, first interviewed you, you described cross as the muddiest, funnest sport of attrition. Yeah. So for people who are brand new to cross, what is it? What is cyclocross? Cyclocross is off-road, on a road bike with knobbly tyres and it's thrilling and it's exciting and it's just taking yourself to the limit of what you can do to try and be as fast as you possibly can and it's one of the funnest things you can ever do and it's like between 40 minutes and an hour and you get wet and muddy and cold but then 20 minutes later you know you've just had the best time. And then you fall off and you touch wood are less likely to get injured because you're landing on nice soft Very, mud. very rarely hurt yourself. I've been in the hospital once for some stitches. That's okay, I'm touching wood really violently now because, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, because I don't want to, I really don't want to be the person that jinxes your time. Yeah, although to be fair, the uh, low sales was in that crash on um, the start on Sunday and she's like torn a meniscus, so. Oh, ow. So yeah, that's, that, it can be painful. Yeah. <laughs> it's very rare that that kind of thing happens and, um, and especially in the amateur side, you know, you're not taking as many risks, so you're not you're not putting yourself in that position. And, and it's just fun, and you know, slipping and sliding around and all over the place is actually it gives you great skills for road, and it gives you great handling skills, and it makes you feel it gives you an adrenaline rush when you can do something really fast. Even even I get it now when we went training on Wednesday in Runza. Steph's like, go faster, go faster, go faster, on this one kind of little section before the pit where. Then if you saw Matthew van der Poel got air and nearly crashed. Yes, yes. And he was like, go faster, go faster. And going faster into that, it was just like, whoa, this is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I've been doing it for 10 years. And so you still you still get that rush. So Helen is awesome. And this interview went on for a really long time. So I split it into two parts. And in part two, Helen will tell you all the races you should watch this winter. That's most of them. But if you want to find out more about her in the meantime, go to her website, www.helenwyman.com or look her up on Twitter, where she'll probably answer your questions, at CXHelen. And you can find all the links to all the things we talked about, the videos, the links, things like that, on my blog, prowomenscycling.com. Apologies for the slightly abrupt ending. Hope you enjoyed it. Definitely come back for part two.